G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Do you long to know God, to walk with God, and to be with Him forever? Then, in today's program, we're going to learn one of the requirements is holiness unto the Lord. Our series is entitled, The Coming King, Understanding the Book of Zechariah a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We are in the final, final stretch of the book of Zechariah. Not the final segment, but we are going to look at the last verses of Zechariah. And then in the following program, we're going to do a summary and review. It's been, as always, in the Understanding the Bible series, a great adventure to go verse-by-verse through these wonderful books of God's Word. To me, it is transformational, and I trust you'll find it the same. That's why we encourage you to stay tuned and to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches through the Word of God. God's Word is more important to us than even food itself. Don't take my word for it. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We're looking at Zechariah fourteen sixteen to 21. This is the culmination of everything the prophets have waited for. God has intervened. He has brought his kingdom. He is ruling and reigning from Mount Zion in Jerusalem. He's not just reigning over Israel. He's reigning over the whole earth. He's the first time we're seeing a crown that is permanently over the whole earth. Many attempts at world government, many attempts at world conquest, all have failed. Not without some success, not without causing some damage. But in this case, when God takes over, then he will rule over the whole earth because it belongs to him anyway, Satan will be banished to the bottomless pit, and righteousness and peace and blessing will ensue from Mount Zion to the ends of the earth. In our last lesson, we learned about it's time to worship God. In this lesson, we will continue to talk about that theme, but also to focus on holiness unto the Lord. That is what the kingdom is about. It's a holy kingdom because the king himself is holy. And even common things and profane things will become holy, sanctified, set apart for God's use, because that's what the word actually means. Set apart, sanctified, equipped 
for God's purposes. Remember that so often people who have been given bodies by God, I mean, God is the one that fashioned our bodies, and the thing is our bodies were created for good things, but how often do we misuse them for bad things? Our mouths, instead of praising God, speak all kinds of vain and profane words. Our lips could be used for good things, but sometimes, oftentimes, we use for bad. Our ears, instead of listening to the beauty of great music and of wise words, can be listening to all kinds of things it should. Our hearts should be the receptacle of Christ and the Holy Spirit. They dwell within, and instead, our hearts nurse all kinds of lust, all kinds of evil emotions, all kinds of scheming. Our feet, instead of being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, can be misused going to places where they ought not. With that in mind, what I'm going to read to you comes in verse 20 of Zechariah 14, talking about when God is reigning, all rule and dominion are now under his feet, all rebellion has been quashed. Verse 20 says, In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. So the horses in Jerusalem, possibly beyond, are going to have bells. And on those bells is the simple message, holiness unto the Lord. Everything will be for God's good pleasure. And no matter how profound or common, or how can we put it, just everyday use, it will be now dedicated for God. It will have meaning, it will have value, because holiness enriches everyone. Let's read now the entire passage of Zechariah chapter 14, verses 16 to 21. Our lesson is entitled, Holiness Unto the Lord. And it reads, And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feasts of tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. In that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord and the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts, and all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and see therein. And in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. This is God's word, Zechariah 14, verses 16 to 21. And I've just read the last verses of this great messianic prophecy. It's Holiness unto the Lord. That is the name of this lesson. Let's remember that the nations will send their delegates to come and worship God at the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember that this is the third of the three pilgrimage feasts of Israel, where the Israelite men in particular, but women could come too, would appear before the temple at Jerusalem to 
sacrifice and worship the Lord. They came for Pesach, known as Passover. This was fulfilled, of course, when Jesus died on the cross at the heave of Passover. The second is Shavuot, Pentecost, seven weeks later. And Shavuot is a agrarian feast or agricultural feast. But for the church, it was the fulfillment of the day of Pentecost, the day the church was born, when the disciples of Jesus were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and now seen as a visible company of believers, no longer in hiding, no longer behind closed doors, locked. They were in public for the whole world to see. The church was born on the day of Pentecost. But Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, the third pilgrimage feast that happens in the northern autumn, has no New Testament fulfillment yet, but will be fulfilled in the thousand-year reign of Christ when he comes back to earth. So we see that in verse 17, which we read in the last lesson, there will be drought on the nations that do not appear for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now let's focus on Zechariah fourteen eighteen. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not that have no rain, there shall be the plague, wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. It really seems a bit ironic. After surviving the end-time onslaught we call the Great Tribulation and Armageddon and all that goes with it, that the survivors somehow don't get it. This is it. God is in charge, and wisdom is to obey God. Not because God is going to be onerous, but God will demand our total obedience, as he rightly deserves. And bearing in mind that our total obedience reaps abundant blessing. He's not being hard-nosed because of any egotistical, maniacal, dictatorial streak. He's doing this because, like a loving Heavenly Father, he wants what is best for his children. But, you know, some people never learn. And even the whack on the head by the 4 by 2 doesn't seem to get through. Doesn't Proverbs say something like this, that if you take a fool and use a mortar and pestle, even pounding them with the mortar and pestle, it won't drive out the foolishness from the fool. Now, have you ever seen a mortar and pestle, big, heavy, uh, shall we call it almost like a bowl or basin, and the pestle is like, I hope I got these two right, but the pestle's like the big pounding implement inside the basin. And I mean, you can hammer away, crack nuts, tenderize meat, do all kinds of things. It's not something you want to be in. It's certainly not something you want your hands in, but the mortar and pestle cannot drive out the foolishness from the fool. That's how ingrained it is. And it will stay ingrained unless the fool, through an act of his or her own will, chooses to repent and say, I don't want to be a fool anymore. I just think it's a waste of time. It's ridiculous. It's silly. It's horrible. Why do you want to stay this way? Repentance and faith is the only way to translate a fool and make them a wise individual. So verse 18, if the family of Egypt does not come to the Feast of Tabernacles to worship the Lord, they will have no rain and as a bonus, the recalcitrant will be hit with plagues as well. Rebellion has its consequences. Then in Zechariah fourteen nineteen, to reiterate the point, the punishment for Egypt and the punishment for all nations that refuse to come to the Feast of Tabernacles will be drought 
and plagues. And let me say that both of these are very, very, very high price. Why would you want to subject yourself to something like that? I have been walking with the Lord for many years, and I have to say it is blessing upon blessing. No, it's not without challenges, but the thing is, God is with you in the challenges, and God will see you through, and your faith and trust will be built up, and mountains will be moved, and God always downloads his peace into the heart and minds of his followers, and his joy as well. And remember, God's joy defies circumstance. Just study the book of Philippians. Circumstance-defying, divine, ever-present, everlasting joy is your inheritance, friends. You don't have to wait to the great by and by to be inundated and baptized with joy. You can have it now because joy is one of the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit described in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. To walk with God, to serve God, to worship God is not some horrible burden. It is a delight. It is a pleasure. It will keep you and preserve you from much grief. No, you won't avoid all trouble, but God says in the 91st Psalm, I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. Now, God preventing trouble is one thing. God delivering trouble is another. If for some reason he allows the trouble to come to you and you're a person of faith, hold on to God, learn the lessons, be obedient, give thanks in all things, pray without ceasing, praise his name, and guess what? Not only will he be with you in the trouble, he'll deliver you and honor you. Somehow, experiencing the trouble and being delivered is far more faith-building than having no trouble at all. Think of it like going to the gym, getting to the weights, and having a workout. The weights are heavy. The weights are like trouble. And yes, you may fight against the weights, and you might prevail or you might not. But if you don't prevail while you're struggling, that's when the strength and the muscles are built. Somehow, Life becomes the workshop of the Holy Spirit when we follow the Lord in faith. But to turn our backs on the Lord and to not want to listen to his simple command is madness, to say the least. And so what we have is drought and plagues. Why would we want to invite that? It's, it is insanity. Verse 20 holiness unto the Lord. This is the inscription that will be found on the bells of the horses. This is their message. Pots, just common cooking pots, will be treated as if they were bowls on the altar of the Lord in the house of the Lord. And the message is that common utensils and sacred things will no longer be distinct. They will be one and the same. Everything that is there will be holy to the Lord. The horses will be holy, the pots will be holy, and of course, most of all, the people will be holy unto the Lord. In the last verse of Zechariah, Zechariah 14, verse 21, it's a long verse, all can worship and serve. You see, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah will be holiness unto God. They will be needed to utilize the pilgrims that are coming. In other words, with the onrush of pilgrims from the nations, every pot must be on duty to be used for the worship protocol. All will come to sacrifice, and it will take some of the pots to cook and to seethe what is required there. That's what the the text says. Let me put it again this way. Every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah 
will be drafted or conscripted to accommodate the Russia people who will come from the nations. All that come to sacrifice will take some of the pots and cook in them. All right, so there is that protocol. And then it says there will be no more Canaanites in the house of the Lord of hosts. There may have been residual Canaanites in the land 2,500 years ago, but the phrase Canaanite also can be metaphorical, describing wickedness, idolatry, immorality. It was against these things that Joshua and the children of Israel battled against when they conquered the land. There will be no more Canaanites in the house of the Lord. These things will not be allowed when the Lord reigns in Zion. So what we see is that the culmination of Bible prophecy is the second coming of Jesus. It's not just the king that is coming, which is the most important thing, but the kingdom is coming with the king. A visible, tangible, universal, earthly kingdom of which the likes we have never seen. And when we see this, it should cause us to want to worship and worship and worship. Now, our lesson is called Holiness Unto the Lord. And our lesson for life is that the millennium and the eternal state will be our long overdue opportunity to thank Jesus for giving us such a great salvation. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage at tan, T-A-N, dot O-R-G, dot A-U, so that you can subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter, helping you to become future-ready through articles on the Bible, Victorious Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Zechariah 14 and that wonderful message, Holiness unto the Lord. Holiness brings beauty. Holiness brings blessing. Holiness brings bliss. Father, help us to remember these things, to run with these things, and to teach others also. Through the name of our Savior and our soon-coming King, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.